Welcome back to the Enough Damn Ways podcast, episode two, subtitle, Enemy Mine. I'm Mark, and I am joined again, once again, by Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Really good, thank you, my man. Really good. And he's emerged from the desert wastelands like Omar Sharif in Lawrence of Arabia. We thought it was a mirage, but he is here. Sai, how are you doing, man? Hello, mate. F- thanks for having me. Thanks for the intro. It's all right. I dropped the awesome Wells thing because, you know, I thought, I thought it was a bit much. <laughs> it's for, the, for the best. <laughs> I think it's the Lawrence of Arabia, haven't you? I mean, I didn't get any of this. I didn't get any of it, so, you know. Well, there there is a link, you know. There is a link between Lawrence of Arabia and what we're talking about. It's the same film composer. See see where I went. With oh that. really? Uh, okay. Yeah, I had that on my on my list of comprehensive notes. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my key points actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, episode two, enemy mine. Yep, a movie. It is a movie. It's a nineteen eighty five movie. I it think. is. Whose choice was it this week? This was my choice, wasn't it? It was. Yep. Um, why Why did you choose it, Mike? I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm so glad. I was travelling uh, through extra services, a fine services. I'd give it a solid 6.5 out of 10 mm-hmm. for your services recommendation needs. Anyway, I was passing through extra services and it had on the side one of those um, tables of pick up a book, pick up a DVD and mm-hmm. just, you know, donate whatever you want uh, yep. in terms of it. Obviously, I didn't have any cash, so I just picked up a DVD, but, you know, whatever. Uh, and immediately, there was a certain uh, DVD cover that just, just you know, caught my eye. And I don't know if anyone has seen the cover. I urge you, urge you to, to look at the cover of the movie. It's called Enemy Mine, which, first of all, is a quite a nonsensical title, which I loved. Um, secondly, it's got Dennis Quaid. Who doesn't love Dennis Quaid? Answer, no one. And thirdly, it's got what can only be described as it's got what can only be described as as a B list Star Trek uh, monster of the week uh, person on the front cover with him. So I thought, yep, this looks terrible. Let's give this a go. So there you go. Brief sidebar: when when visiting the the service stations, are you not tempted to always slightly detour to to the Michael Wood services? slightly detour that's all the way up the m5 no man no it's too far plus i took a photo of me out there once true story um mm-hmm. naked on the sides and the local police were called and it, it didn't end very well it was let off with a warning so uh you know i tried to avoid that one now nice okay well let's talk about this this movie then i don't know if did you guys realize that uh wolfgang peterson who's the director actually passed away at the end of last year no no i I didn't realize that um that's a shame because i like i really only know him actually for dust boot i'll be honest i know he's done an awful lot but i i grew up on dust boot which uh which i absolutely loved and i thought was atmospheric as hell I might have seen a few more of his movies, no doubt I have. But yeah, no, I didn't know that. You have, I mean, just quickly, I'll just say I'm not going to go through his full filmography. No, of course. But, but he did The Neverending Story, which was the movie directly before this one. Mm-hmm. He also did Troy, 
which I think is oh, that's great a film. little underrated. Oh, that's a great film. And In the Line of Fire, again, pretty solid. And well, Air Clint Force Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood. He did, he did Air Force One. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Air Force One. <laughs> and he obviously had a thing about water because uh, he then remade the Poseidon adventure as mm. Poseidon. Well, mate, is it clear? Is it his director who's obviously also likes to work with a key leading man, charismatic, engaging? I mean, you know, you've got Brad, Brad Pitt and Troy, yeah, George Clooney. He did, per- he did Perfect Storm, didn't he? He did, yeah. A- another water movie with Marky Mark as well, as well as George Clooney. Yep, George, George Clooney and Wahlberg, and that you've got, um, you know, bloody Falco in a never ending story, and then obviously. You get hit with this one-two gut punch, <laughs> enemy mine. <laughs> oh yeah, of <laughs> uh, one Grossetini and uh, and, uh, and Quaid. Sorry, mate. What, what was what was his name again? Oh yeah, yeah. Could you what... just uh, could you just how do how do we pronounce his name? Yeah, so it's um, his name's Grosset. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that's wrong. Gossett Junior. But um, just to just to put this to bed once and for all, Louis or Lewis. Lewis Gossett Jr. Lewis Gossett Jr. Lewis Gossett Jr. <laughs> okay, so it's uh it's Lewis. Lewis Gossett Jr. <laughs> Thank you. With some utterly outstanding slash astounding Prosthetic makeup. Absolutely. Who who wants to who wants to kick off? I'll kick off. Go for it. What did you think of it, Mike? My witty one-liner. Come for Dennis Quaid. Stay for Lewis Gossett Jr. It is all about Jerry. This movie lives and nay indeed dies on Jerry. Jerry is all. Jerry is love. Jerry is the movie. The every part of the movie that doesn't involve Jerry uh, is utter dog shit. Um, the opening five minutes, some of the worst sci-fi I've ever seen in my life. Really, really bad. The ending 15 minutes, a little bit disappointing. There was some nice connection with the sun, but a little bit disappointing if you ask me. Anticlimactic, should have had the, the naming ceremony on the home world much more developed. But the middle, what, hour and 15 that's left, whatever, the, the middle hour and 10, with Jerry, oh yeah, no, love that. I actually really did. Honestly, the more I watched it, the more I, the more I saw of Dennis Quaid's quite frankly cock end character become less of a cock end and grow and develop his relationship with uh, Lewis Gossett Jr.'s Jerry. Yeah, I was down for that. Actually, I really was down for that. So, in a nutshell, yes, all about the Lewis. Did you know that Gus Van Sant was a big fan of this movie? It was actually the inspiration for his. Two People in the Wilderness film, Jerry, from 2002, starring Casey oh. Affleck and Matt Damon. Wow. No, I did not. Wow. And um, can I just say, I know that, that film's, in, in hindsight, quite highly thought of. This is Jerry, not Enemy Mine. Um, although apparently that was highly thought of by Van Zandt. Although, can I just say, <laughs> Jerry, I, I remember being really stoned, trying to watch that film, thinking it would be super cool. And super pretentious thing to watch at like twenty twenty one, and my god, that film was some of the most boring <laughs> shit that I think I've yeah, ever yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah. 
in my life. Well, this is by the guy that made Pi, isn't it? So, you know. Uh, it's not. Was it not the one that made Pi? Am I getting the wrong director there? You are getting the wrong director, but that's okay. I actually made it up about Gus Van Sant taking inspiration anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. So our professionalism has already drastically gone <laughs> gone out the window. Love it. Don Sai, what, what did you reckon? What did I think of the movie? Yeah, to be honest, very much in line with Mike, semi-surprisingly, because I was half expecting yourselves to potentially go in on Gossett Jr., actually. And I know Mike's a big Quaid fan. Oh, yeah. I do love Quaid. massive overstatement. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, he, and, and I don't know if that beard was real, but he de- definitely grew a fierce beard throughout that film. It was a wilderness beard. I'm a big fan of the wilderness. Completely, completely with you. First five minutes was a was a joke. I, I honestly did consider what we were doing oh, yeah. slash thinking oh, watching yeah. that. I mean, it looked cool. I mean, within the context of it looking shit, but <laughs> you know, the spe- the dead space guy with a battered up suit floating into shot. I thought, oh, okay, yeah. And then it was completely <laughs> irrelevant to anything yeah. that, <laughs> that followed because he said, "We've got nothing to do on this ship." We, or something like that. Or we, you know, as in every war, a long period of time spent being bored until one day, and then they get attacked. And it's like, but there's a dead spaceman outside. Anyway, that was pretty terrible. And then from there on in, it was totally a complete mess, wasn't it? A couple of sort of semi-fun failures of scenes. Are, are Quite you in- decides to presumably, yeah, decides to presumably take Gossett Junior down by setting fire to the surface of some water that he's swimming in in the rain i mean did you not think he was absolutely why? insane though <laughs> did, did you not think that his character was like batshit crazy i was like quite down with that I was like <laughs> he's just absolutely out for the, for the murderous revenge like he was bonkers then he's i mean he was also he was also complete to blame for the for the death of his um <laughs> of colleague friend who yeah. also by the way was in the film for about five seconds, but was given a literal five-minute death scene where he <laughs> did the whole Shakespeare eyes going and then came back to say one. And I thought, sure, okay. And then he buried him and put a rock on his face <laughs> and then put the hat on top of the rock. And I was thinking, okay, this guy's got presumably going to come back at the end of some kind of zombie spaceman type thing. It wasn't, that wasn't the movie. Maybe it should have been. But yeah, anyway, the whole thing felt super low budget. A couple of quite nice painted, or what looked like were potentially painted backdrops, etc. Um, music was okay. And just to echo you, Mike, I mean, listen, it was fundamentally very poor. But the sort of half hour you get of a sort of relationship forming from these two enemies wasn't well done, but was a, a good and nice idea. And I have to say... Gossett Jr., never heard of him. Don't think I've ever seen him in anything, although I potentially have. Super nuanced. My, you know, he's, he's owning his arc, bringing pathos, class, depth. He's here with some silly makeup and prosthetics, and he's absolutely giving what I would say in another movie is Oscar-worthy stuff opposite a Quaid, who, quite frankly, was a fucking bargain bin Indiana Jones, Han Solo. I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're here. I don't know what you're bringing to things. And obviously, you know, spoiler alert, whatever. The moment in which Gossett Jr. left the show 
and was replaced with a, a baby was the death of the movie. What about the relationship with the what about the relationship with the um with, with the child? I felt I felt that that was quite nice, you know, surrogate father type thing. They they play American football together. What relationship, I guess. I mean when he was a baby I thought, okay, him protecting the baby that is a sort of physical upkeep whatever the word is like you know it's gossip junior in baby form i'm kind of fine with that yeah, yeah, yeah. and it lasted for about five seconds and then he turned into this weird annoying teenage kid who couldn't act and then he disappeared and then beavis and butter showed up to take him away and then he ended up back on his ship and the whole thing just i think it was probably rushed and whether it was like a money issue or whatever production issues there was clearly something going on where the key sequences just felt massively reduced but yeah, it killed all the stakes, just replacing Gossett Jr. with a baby. But yeah, for me, the outcome, Gossett Jr., great. Everything else, relatively poor. And yeah, I mean, that's it, really. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fairly comprehensive. Marco, your thoughts? Yeah, I was pretty disappointed with it. It's well-meaning, but I mean, what film isn't? Presumably, anytime anyone makes a film, they're trying to do either something entertaining or thought-provoking. Funnily enough, I do think this was going... So I hit it on the head when he said it's just tonally all over the place because I feel like it's going for a cerebral, thought-provoking sci-fi human drama, basically. But then it decides to open and close it with being this weird B-movie action film. Those things didn't work at all. That combination doesn't work. And, like, the character drama element of it, the problem is it reminded me of, like, what they call a bottle episode of a TV show, which was basically mm-hmm. a thing where they, when they'd run out of budget in, like, TV shows like Star Trek or, you know, even stuff like Red Dwarf or whatever. That was that was every episode of Red Dwarf. Well, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> indeed. But they'd often have episodes where it was just two characters sort of in a single location. But the thing is with those, they could sometimes be quite cool because you've all you've got the backstories of the characters, you know, like you're invested in them. And so that those interactions can actually be like quite interesting. The problem with this is that you have two people on screen for a good hour of the movie and there is nothing interesting about either of them. You're told nothing. They literally dedicate a scene about, oh, let's let's delve into our backstories like Jerry asks uh, Quaid. And the best they could come up with is, let's talk about your lineage. Okay, well, my mum's name is blah, blah, and she works as a cook, and my gran is this and that. The most single boring thing you could possibly come up with. It has no impact on anything at all. And then he literally repeats it as if it was like this really insightful but it's important. It's important. Like, it's important to his culture. But that's is that not important to his culture? That's important to Jerry's culture, isn't it? He goes back, and that's why his name, the son's name, uh, comes back to it. it. Begins with a Z, doesn't it? Who cares? But the son's name comes back, and that's because it was the sixth name before him, and it's all cyclical. So obviously, in this in this alien culture, they're mm-hmm. because they're unisexual, aren't they? they that I think they give birth as they need to give birth. Again, who cares? It's not exactly developed. I was, I, d- I was a little unclear on that. I, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't know. I, d- I don't know if it matters, but who knows? I can't imagine they do because no no um, civilization would survive that. Do you know what I mean? On a Saturday night, this this, this will be a really ineloquent point. <laughs> but ultimately, when he said we don't choose to have children or when to have children. It just happens. Yeah. 
it just happens or and, and I might be making this up but something like it just happens when it's time or when the time is right so like biology wise I don't know why that would have been the right time apart from just complete happenstance and like in a story like in a narrative things shouldn't just happen by chance so that that in itself was was bonkers and then I started to think if it's a complete alien species, I mean, the very fact that they can just create a baby in themselves without any kind of, you know, reproduction or whatever with any anyone or anything else was interesting. But if it was more of a mental thing, like a psychological thing, yeah, 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 that yeah, would have yeah. been kind of interesting because it's found a bond with Quaid or whatever. Yeah, yeah and... but that's why I tweaked. I, th- I thought Quaid might be the actual dad, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? Not not to assign yes, gender psychologically, to yeah. Yeah, exactly, which I thought. But they swerved away from that, which is fine, because I think it allows you to... Add into that if you want. I don't think they are always going to die on on childbirth, if you will. But um, I, I thought no. I, I thought the um, look, listen, it's clearly a B list movie, isn't it? It's a B movie. Oh, completely. But to Mark's point, that's for shame of it because with like even that discussion we was just having, that's probably not what the intention was. But the fact that you can get to the brink of kind of semi interesting discussions around that kind of thing is to its credit, I suppose. But ultimately, every time. You're nearly there. They pull the rug and do something stupid or something derivative. And speaking of derivative, the whole movie would have been better if the kid wasn't part of it. If uh, the whole baby, you know, making wasn't part of it because it wasn't really explored properly. And to be honest, it would have been better if his mates come back to save him. He ends up takes side of his mates, goes back. Some sort of subplot happens where he thinks I fucked up. I need to go back. I need to save my boy. And that's exactly what happens. And yeah, it would have been super derivative, but it would have had a more kind of holistic, you know, it would have been probably more invested in it as opposed to the sort of, do you know what it was? It was the end of View to a Kill, not 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 the bridge stuff, but you know, when they go into the mines and there yeah. were those those little truck truck things, it was kind of it was kind of like a really bad version of that. And that's saying something. That is saying something, because that's that's Grace Jones at her absolute <laughs> fineness. Uh, going out on that. I mean, just go, just go. Yeah, yeah, well, good. Uh, <laughs> it is true though. Like they just, there's so many happenstance thing, which I get always happens in films, but it's one of those, isn't it? If you don't question it at the time, then obviously you're invested in it. But if you are, then there's something, there's something wrong because you're actually thinking about it. And I was constantly thinking, like this planet that they've crashed, they've both crashed into. So mm. two separators have both crashed into it. Their headquarters, so to speak, is shown on screen to be approximately a mile from from where they are. And yet there's no sense at any point that either of them are being looked for whatsoever until the movie demands that, oh, no, we do need a ship to land at this point conveniently when, you know, there's stuff going on with the child and everything. And it never delves into any of the survivalist aspects whatsoever. I'm not saying that I would necessarily have wanted it to. But, you know, they're on this harsh environment, this wasteland, and they're just absolutely fine. It it's hardly it, Castaway, is it, where they're, where they're showing to, like, be working together to, like, come up with interesting solutions to their problems and to survive. It's just basically like, oh, yeah, it's cool because we've got these weird turtle creatures which we can which we mm-hmm. can eat and we'll just use their shells for shelter. And that's basically us fine. But it's not though, isn't it? And isn't there a couple of interesting ways that they do that? First of all, that's uh, that's uh, Davidge's character, that Dennis Quaid's human Davidge. That's him building the shelter, whilst uh, Jerry 
laughs on the side watching him and he's doing it alone. He does it alone and it ends up collapsing, doesn't it? So there's a little bit of, of the hardships and then it collapses, doesn't it? During a, um, I think it collapses during a snowstorm or it collapses during a meteor it's strike. Meteor storms, yeah, which Ryan again conveniently just come like at the times. But like, did you, know, did you not think at least it was a different a bit, landscape? Yeah. Did you not think at least there were different landscapes? So it started off with. No, I liked the way they mixed. I, liked, I, did, yeah. I did. I did like the way they mixed it up seasonally to make yeah. it look different. I did. I didn't mind that. I, I thought, oh mate, it goes into very little detail. But I was actually quite invested in Jerry and Davidge, and I think Davidge's beard pulled me in. Uh, as he mm. became a little bit more madcap. Look, listen, you go in there, the opening five minutes are so bad, but if you carry on with it, there's a mm-hmm. certain amount of, right, I'm going to enjoy what I enjoy. I enjoyed the relationship between the two of them. I, for one, felt that the little screen time with the little kids wasn't actually too bad. I thought the direction of um, Peterson in some of those scenes was actually pretty okay. In some of the traversing of the landscape scenes was actually pretty imaginative. I thought considering the budget he would have evidently worked with. But I, I, I felt a lot of the, the shots weren't actually too bad of him traversing. And it was all filmed in Germany. It was all filmed in disused quarries in Germany and so forth. Interesting yeah. side note, uh, apparently the same location as the Swamp of Despair from Neverending Story, the exact same location. That is interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree. I kind of like the aesthetic of it. It is what it is, but I like the practical effects. I like the matte paintings. I did like the landscapes and the set design. I do think they were a little repetitive. Of course, of course, but then it should be because it's an abandoned planet. Well, yeah, of course, but it's a it's an alien planet. You can basically do what you want, and what they chose to do was just show a load of rocks, presumably because that's what they had it's at hand. It's budget, isn't it? It's got to be budget, surely. Yeah, and I, of course, but I do feel like, and I could be completely wrong with with this, but I wonder whether, to an extent, it's almost like because at the time he'd done Das Boot. Okay, which is like a really renowned character drama in a confined space. Like, good. and he'd also done the Neverending Story, which has like all the fantastical visuals design. And it feels like he or the studio wanted to combine those two different worlds, take the the great character drama of Das Boot and put it with the visual stylings of the Neverending Story which on paper does sound great. I just don't think it was executed as well on either front, anywhere near either of those two films do. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I think it's entirely, I don't you can remotely compare, other than the fact that it's both all done by Rob Van Peterson. Look, honestly, if you wanted to, to compare the scores with the others, this is where scores fail, because I think my scores can probably be a little bit higher than your boys, and that's fine. But I'm no way going to say that this movie is remotely as good as Never Ending Story or Indeed Dust Boot. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? But I think there are some nice little visual flourishes. Last thing I'll say, um, when when he's chasing the teenage boy or the young boy, the eight year old boy uh, through the tunnels and the camera is going behind them. I clearly someone running with a camera behind them, but it's done on quite a good steady cam. It's quite a nice little way of doing it. I think it's, you know, there are some nice little visual flourishes. The opening five minutes were beyond terrible sci-fi, um, sorry, CGI of that time. And the last 20 minutes were uh, just boring, just boring and rubbish. But I didn't mind the, uh, the the middle hour. I thought it was quite hokey. I thought it was Star Trek Monster of the Week uh, effects. But I thought the actual character, the, the growth behind it, the little growth behind it was enough to keep me invested. So I actually kind of got down with it. I, I actually completely agree with that 100%. I mean... Yeah, the, the way into it was was poor, very poor. 
the way out of it was was very poor and obviously the kind of return to to um the space station and kind of you know played yeah. ordinary life or whatever you want to call it was was ropey um could have been super interesting um and just wasn't but i feel like but it, it felt it came across i don't know anything about it. i haven't looked into it sorry but it came across like that was part of potential production issues or yeah i think peterson might have i could be completely wrong about this but i think peterson might have come in at a late stage um, yeah, and it was did. meant to be someone else's project so uh, that that all kind of reeked of, of that kind of thing like you know potentially potentially producers saying one thing and him wanting to go in another direction and it comes across that's how it comes across the only other thing is marco mentioned castaway and it did kind of have me thinking about castaway as well in castaway it's just tom hanks obviously fine as wilson and the pictures and everything but it's, it's just tom hanks on an island for a considerably longer period of time without someone to talk to and without any kind of narration which kind of made me think, wow, that fair play to that film for actually making that super engaging yeah, yeah, of and course. super interesting and et cetera, et cetera. And I know they're completely different scales of kind of drama, but I did find it annoying. And this will, this will affect my score, which is why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. I did find it super annoying that they felt the need to have a Quaid voiceover throughout the whole midsection yeah. of the film yeah. when he'd already been given someone to talk to. And then, not even content with that, they had a different narrator at the end, certainly, and I, I might have missed it, but presumably at the top as well. So they're still relying on two narrators, which, to be to be honest, just makes it completely stink of like story uncertainties. Yeah, of course, it's it's the same thing as when you get the little words on the front, the title cards, isn't it? Star Wars style. I mean, you can argue for Star Wars, for example, it's setting the scene because it's so fantastical. Fine, you can argue that, but it is lazy. It is lazy. I agree with what you said about Castaway. The only thing I would say is that I think as soon as you put sci-fi into it, as soon as you make it set in space with a monster, with a baby that looks like a brown turd, because my God, did that baby, once it was born, look like a brown slimy turd. Anyway, once you put all that shit into place, it's fantastical. It's fantastical. And by very definition of an 80s budget with an 80s limitations, looks fairly shit and it's unbelievable you can and indeed with a dennis quaid who i love dennis quaid it's fairly shit in this film but then compare that with tom hanks who is a powerhouse obviously compare that with um who directs uh who directs castaway is it zemeckis yeah yeah indeed yeah and you sit that in a real world setting with helen hunt beautiful uh well thought out love interest who's waiting on the sidelines and you know a hurt tooth and the budget the budget the budget there's just no comparison, is there? Because this is the thing. You start putting in the shitty sci-fi with the terrible space battle at the beginning. You're just on a hiding. Yeah, but there, there, there is because for me, the criticisms aren't really the budget. You know, that, that, that the way it looked and everything, the aesthetics, I was cool with. I even liked the physical, the physical effects of like the, the baby and stuff. I actually thought were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty effective. I liked the creatures. Yeah, they're a bit hokey, but I I found them charming. Yeah, I liked the sort of physical meteor storms where it was just clearly yeah. fireworks being set off or whatever. All that stuff was cool, but the, the the thing is, and the thing which cannot be excused, is they are then relying on writing and performance. Yeah, the writing was poor. Yes, and mm-hmm. the performance of Gossett Junior. I agree with you guys. I don't know if I've said so far. I I do think he was by far the best 
performance in the film. Yeah. Quaid early on, I think is flat out awful. Yeah. Like I think he's terrible. I think he gets markedly better in certain scenes. And I do actually agree with you, Mike, that I thought the stuff with the child and, and him, like he was, he was a lot better. He he kind of grew into the role a bit. And I suppose they would argue perhaps that, well, that's showing the great for the character because he's like this obnoxious idiot at the start. And then he learns and he grows as a character. That's what it should be. But I don't actually see that on the screen. I just see a, a poor acting performance, which uh, becomes quieter due to the needs of the movie. And therefore, it's a bit more well, engaging. I, I, think, I, think, I think everything that you, you said is, is true. I think everything we've said is true. I still think our scores will be quite interesting. I think, shall we go on to the scores? Unless anyone has yeah. anything else, I, I don't really. I'd, I'd agree with Sai that the music is just, you know, it's Forgettable. fine. Serviceable, yeah. I don't, I don't remember any of it. It's, and that's it so important, bad, isn't it? But... Well, it's so important because I think the music could have absolutely helped. Could have lifted that. it. Could have massive. Yeah, it's an of example course. for sure where if it had been a really emotional score or just an avant-garde score, one or the other, it could have really elevated what was around it, and it doesn't, as you say, it's just kind of there, and it's fine. It's not bad music per se, but it it doesn't elevate the film, which is disappointing coming from that composer because twenty years before he was doing some absolutely uh, epic masterpiece work. So, yeah, potentially phoning it in, but also potentially completely uninspired by the material he had to work with. Yeah, quite yeah. possibly, isn't it? Exactly yeah. that, mate. Yeah, probably a combination of those. Okay, let's score it then. Do you want to go first, Sai? Yeah, um, this was a tricky one because of the reasons given. This is harsh. For Gossett Jr., <laughs> thank you for the recommendation because I, ge- I genuinely actually think to be able to perform that to that level means he's probably in some other stuff which is probably worth checking out. Good acting. And for Quaid, I mean, I yeah, g- generally think he was quite poor and then started to really question... What has he actually been stand out good in? <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I I was tempted to go down the line, to be honest, and just say, look, five out of ten, some interesting ideas, yeah, and interesting yeah. failure. Um, but actually, to be honest, for the other reasons that I've said, I'm going to go four point five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair. I'll go next. So I think I'll be an interesting midpoint. Uh, six, six. Purely based on the relationship. I got sucked in. Um, it's all about Jerry uh, and so forth. I can forgive the terrible five-minute opening and the disappointing, not terrible, but disappointing final 20 minutes. And I can forgive a few other bits and pieces. I thought it was quite sweet. I thought that burgeoning relationship between the two leads. It's just a nice idea. It's a nice concept. That's got you, hasn't it? It's really got you. It's got hey, into you. Hey, hey, a little bit. Just a little bit. I reckon you might have a baby. I reckon you might have a baby tonight. <laughs> Who can say, mate? Who can say if it's anything like a big brown turd baby? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna go six. Why not? Let's do it, Marco. Love it. I didn't love the movie though, and uh, I'm also a four point five. Boringly. Okay. It would have been a five had we not been doing halves. You know, I still appreciated watching it. I don't know that I necessarily enjoyed it. I enjoyed aspects of it. Right. Let's move on. And is there anything within the last few days that anyone has watched that they wanted to quickly talk about? Yeah, I'll really quickly, I'll really quickly mm. say last time I, I, uh, I think you recommended to me Picard season three. 
I insisted on it as best Indeed. I could. Now, I've seen it since then. Uh seen all of them up to date. Yeah, it's really, really good. It's really fantastic. So in the background tonight, I've got Star Trek The Next Generation on, because uh, I started that from the beginning. Because, nice. you know, yeah, yeah, classic Star Trek. So I'm all over that, all over that. So there you go. That's my recommendation. Watch a little bit of classic Trek. Nice. Solid. The only thing I will mention, I also um continuing with Picard and loving it. Mandalorian, watching that, pretty average, but it's still fun enough. How how would you recommend it? Have you reviewed it anyway, Marco? How would you recommend this? Well, I I had reviewed it on on Letterboxd and then uh Letterboxd. <laughs> Interesting. Letterboxd. Now obviously it, it goes without saying, but we're not paid by Letterboxd. Although God knows I could do with the income. So, you know. Um but if anyone did want to follow us on Letterboxd, how would they do so? Well, they could search for our usernames, I suppose. My one of which is Mark Vender. And I believe size is Cy Vender. Brilliant. What's mine? Yours is Mike Wood. Cy, <laughs> <laughs> so, was there anything that you uh, you wanted to uh, just say that you'd watched recently before we sign off and talk about next week? Uh, yeah, I watched um, The Bear, Disney Plus, like most FX, Disney mm-hmm, Plus. Mm-hmm. I think you've seen it anyway. Um, super. So three episodes, not all six, but I've seen three episodes. It's it's hard. Oh, really? Yeah, it? crack on with it. I, I crack on with it. It's, just, it's super easy watching. Uh, the first episode is quite difficult to get into because it's very, um, you know, it, it moves a lot and it's very chaotic. But um, once, once it settles in, it's actually... Um, Super, yeah, super good. Just story wise, you know, like a bit like Atlanta, um, Atlanta to a degree in just in terms of they'll just go off and do show. like a task of the day, like go and get some, yeah, some cork know. to fill in a hole in the restaurant. You know what I mean? But yeah, actually it's yeah. not about that. It's about him coming to terms with his divorce, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So good. Uh, that was a good show. Um, and I've been, as you know, uh, watching the BBC a series of Luther, which for some reason I'd never seen. Um, so I'm now hitting uh, the sort of getting into series three. So I've watched the first two. I think the first two were really good thus far. I have to say I'm not, I'm not hugely convinced by by the third series, just in terms of, ooh, they're coming after him now from the inside. And it's a bit like, yeah, okay. But I mean, yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Awesome. Okay. So... It's your pick, your first pick for us to watch for next time. What are you going for? A film called Raw. W. That's R-A-W, not R-O-A-R. 2016 horror drama. It's one hour, 40 minutes long. And it's a it's a French film, so obviously subtitled, but it's meant to be good. Um, whether it is or not, we will find out next week, right? Sounds like a plan. Mike, see us out. Jerry! Jerry! Get <laughs> <laughs>